Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. How can we make buildings that adapt and use light in better ways? We've all seen that incredibly high-tech glass that you can turn transparent or opaque with the flick of a switch, but how exactly does that work and are there better ways or better materials that we could use for similar processes or ways to deflect and diffract light through our houses without requiring windows made of glass? Glass is all around us, from our windows to our cars to the things that we have at our dining tables or maybe decorative objects. And the history of glass goes back to some eras around, by some estimates, including by Pliny the Elder, to about 5000 BCE, where Phoenician merchants and other people from the region of the Mediterranean had access to this intensely, intricately crafted glass. But based on historical archaeological evidence, we can place the starting point for at least recorded glassmaking in eastern Mesopotamia and around Egypt, around 3500 BCE. So older than the pyramids, but still not that young. And the first glass vessels or cups or jugs were around 1500 BCE, again from Egypt. And Alexandria in Egypt was like the centre of glassmaking for a very long period of time. Over time, that industry changed, evolved and expanded, particularly under the Roman Empire and the advent of cathedrals really saw a large push in the improvements in glassmaking. Venice became a, a major hub for European glassmaking during that period, and that led to some refinements to think, making things such as colourless glass or coloured glass. And that eventually spread out across the rest of Europe as those merchants honed their craft and entered new markets. By about the 1800s, glassmaking for wind, windows for houses became a strong driver of the economy, not only in the United States, but also in Europe. And by about the... 1820s to 1870s, glass was starting to become manufactured large scale, not just for bottles with automatic machines to do so, but also for houses. And larger and larger panes of glasses were developed. In 59, 1959 that is, Sir Alistair Pinkington invented a flat glass production process called float glass. And that is basically how 90% of flat glass today is manufactured. And that flat glass process method is what enables us to have these large, giant plate glass or flat glass windows that you have in your shopping centres, in your skyscrapers, and so on. Be able to produce that cleanly, efficiently, and cheaply is what has made glass now so commonplace in our society. But having glass be everywhere in our society leads us to have a lot of questions. Because we have all these windows, but all they're doing is letting light into buildings. And that's useful, um, but if it's really, really hot outside... You don't want to let too much light inside. In fact, it makes it, you know, well, quite hot inside, a greenhouse, so to speak. And likewise, in winter, glass can let out a lot of heat, just radiating back out through the glass and let in cold. So it's not a particularly good insulator. And that's where things and improvements such as multiple layered glass, double glazed and so on, or glass that has different layers of air and pockets inside trapped, to help improve the thermal efficiency of glass, but still, it's not that great. And besides, if you wanted to have some privacy, well, glass is uh, not that great. You may want to have that beautiful view in the morning when you wake up, but at night, maybe you want some privacy in your bedroom. So a big wall panel of glass is not necessarily ideal. And that's where things such as smart windows come in. 
And commonly you might see these in really, really fancy houses, maybe some shopping centers or in airplanes. And basically they work by trapping tungsten oxide inside as a sandwich between two layers of glass. And when that tungsten oxide has electricity applied to it, they change color and go opaque. And that, that's pretty cool. Uh, but the problem with tungsten oxide is that, well, the materials in the used are very, very expensive. They actually have a blue tint to them and that blue tint takes over 20 minutes to diminish. And over, over time, as more and more charge and discharge happens, they become less and less opaque. So that big expensive piece of glass that you put in actually becomes not so much switchable anymore after time. So that's where researchers from Stanford University have been working to try and find a way to make dynamic windows that can switch between transparent and opaque again in pretty much under a minute with no degradation. And that's what they've just published their findings on with a patent in the journal Jewel in Cell Press, which is a publication for energy research and green technology. So this research was led by Michael McGee, who's a Stanford University professor of materials science and engineering, who actually comes from a background of producing solar cells. And instead of trying to improve the tungsten oxide method, they, they sort of scrapped all of that and tried to make an entirely new approach. Now, the prototype that they developed blocks light through the movement of copper and another metal in solution over a sheet of transparent indinium tin oxide and it has embedded in that uh, some platinum nanoparticle so basically this metal sandwich layer though different in composition to the previous method when transparent it's pretty much clear and it lets through about 80 percent of surrounding natural light through when you activate it it allows about five percent of the light through and the researchers were able to do that switch on and off uh, about five thousand times with no change in the transmission of light at all, which is pretty incredible. And it's effectively just using plates of conductive glass outlined with metal ions that when, act when activated, basically spread out across the surface in response to the electrical current and then retreat back. The problem with this is that uh, the scaling of this into a mass scale production method needs to be developed. These guys are researchers in labs, not actual production engineers. And the idea is about, well, it's, it's at the moment, it is feasible to get this to be about half the price of the other existing dynamic window methods that are out there today. And that's really good because this, this means that you can have something that traps or doesn't allow light into a room. And that has huge implications for heating and cooling. If you have this in a skylight, for example, it can let in sunlight when it's cold and block sunlight when it's too hot. And this can help you regulate the temperature in areas really, really efficiently, probably saving about 20% of heating and cooling costs is the estimates by McGee and his team. It's quite fascinating to think about how we can make buildings adaptive to the weather around them rather than just existing in it. There's some great work being done out of Stanford University's materials and engineering teams, and hopefully it can shed some light or rather block some light on ways we can make our buildings more adaptive into the future and continue that long history of innovating glass. Turning glass black is just one way to block out light. But what if you actually want to still see outside? Is there a way that we can stop the heat from getting inside but still have those beautiful views, maybe of a lush tropical vista? 
And that's what researchers from Singapore have been investigating. People from the Agency for Science and Technology Research, which is the A-star research group in Singapore at the Singapore Institute of Manufacturing and Technology, have been investigating ways to not just block heat from the windows, from, from the sun, but actually just to let through visible light and just block the infrared heat element. Instead of having curtains, why don't just make the glass do all the hard work for you? And in a tropical area, that's a pretty important objective. Especially when you consider that what they're truly trying to minimise is be able to basically have a glass that lets in light for something like a skyscraper or a large apartment building or shopping centre, but doesn't let in heat, meaning that in the tropics you can more easily and effectively manage the temperature of buildings. And Hugh Hung at the A-Star Centre for Research have basically been investigating ways to develop these smart materials or smart windows that instead of trying to go transparent or not with a flick of a switch, just normally block all near-infrared near infrared radiation, which is an immense achievement if it's scalable. And the way in which this material works is by relying on windows coating with a glass of tin oxide nanoparticles. And these all have a small amount, very tiny amount, of the element antimony. And by varying the nanoparticles' antimony concentration, they could actually basically optimise the ability for these windows to absorb near and infrared radiation. The, basically, these, these small amounts of antimony in these tin oxide nanoparticles basically acts as a shield. These little tin oxide particles are doped with about a 10 nanometer antimony layer, and that blocks basically 90% of the near-infrared radiation, while transmitting basically 80% of the visible light. So these little particles absorb the infrared radiation, but reflect the light. So they basically allow the light to pass through, but really absorb all that heat energy that's coming through. Now, commercially, on larger scales at the moment, people are using antimony-doped tin oxide nanopowders on large scales to just smooth as a coating layer to absorb heat. But they're very, very expensive and because they use a lot of material, whereas these tiny amounts of small nanoparticles that this Singapore research group is using is able to have a much higher performance with less of the material used, so obviously dramatically lowering the cost. And they used a solvothermal method where the, both the precursors are heated under pressure in a special vessel which we call an autoclave. And then the servothermal method basically permits these materials to be synthesized at low temperatures, which means you can really control just how small you make these nanoparticles. And that's good because you can use them and size them so they block the wavelengths of light which carry heat but not the wavelengths of light that carry vision, visible light. And that's how they managed to make these windows much more powerful. So this is some great work being done by the Agency for Science, Technology and Research, the A-Star Group in Singapore. And it just goes to show that there's different ways that we can make our buildings smarter and more adaptive that help them relate to their environment and work with it rather than just trying to fight against it the entire time.
sure you've all sat in the sun coming through your windows at some point in your life, but as the sun moves across the sky, the natural pattern of the sun from setting from the west and rising in the east is just part of our universal existence, and it moves across, and maybe some points in your house or the space that you're inhabiting, it catches light in different ways, maybe reflects off some walls or a car or a little bit of water sitting somewhere. And you end up with all these intricate reflections that are quite beautiful, but also inconsistent. You might be sitting at your dining table at 6pm in summer and getting sun right hitting you in the eye as you sit down. Be forced to close the blinds and close off your nice view of your garden. And all these kind of things also make it difficult, let's say for your pet sitting in a cat, sitting in its nice, warm, sunny spot that has to move every time the sun starts to move. And for more serious applications, you need to think about the energy impact. People design their homes to ensure that there are minimised heat in the afternoons in summer by the setting sun. Some rooms might become inhabitable later in the summer when the sun is very on a low angle and comes all the way through because they heat up too much and so on. In a place like Australia, we really have this problem. I know I do for the area where I record this very podcast. And researchers from the University of Maryland's James Clark School of Engineering have been investigating ways in which to smooth the transferal of light. Rather than having light just come through in big beams, more or less, and moving across the way, they've designed a way to diffuse the wood, still let it through, still let it be very nice and visible, but to make it more consistent in the level of light that gets through, especially throughout the day. And more importantly, be consistent with the amount of heat it delivers through as well. And they've done this using a very unusual material, one that provides better thermal insulation, nearly lets in just as much light, but doesn't have glare and provides smooth and stable and consistent lighting. That, of course, is wood. Now, okay, you might be saying, but, yeah, but wood is solid. Wood is opaque. Wood doesn't let through light. And that's where some of the great work being done by Liang Binghu at UMD's Department of Materials Science and Engineering and their Energy Research Centre into transparent wood makes a lot more sense. They've previously published some of their great work in the development of transparent wood, wood that lets through slightly, just slightly less light than glass, but a lot less heat. And that makes it very, very useful for the design of homes from an energy efficiency perspective. And Zhang Li, the lead author of this new study, has been showing that not only does it allow for a little bit of privacy because it's not completely see-through, but it means that you have a lot more stability and less glare in the light that you let through. And importantly, manage the heat because it keeps heat in and keeps it nice and stable. And the idea behind this is not so much to make all your windows out of transparent wood, but rather the roof. Because normally at the moment, you'll have a roof that is very much opaque, very, very solid. And just under that would be some insulation. That insulation is making sure that your home is nice and comfortable in both summer and winter. And if you wanted to put big glass over the top of that, maybe you have a conservatory or a decking area that has just a glass roof. The problem is that it offers very, very little insulation and basically is very, very difficult to inhabit. And that's where if you had this transparent wood, it lets in all that light. So now you need less lighting, electric lighting, which again saves energy. But also it acts as a very, very good insulator, meaning that you wouldn't need all this layers of roofing to have all this insulation above you. You could have just almost open to the sky or at least having light come straight down upon you. 
And that means that you get nice diffused light through the wood. And that diffusion means, okay, yes, you can't see through the roof, but you don't get this change in light behavior across the day. It pretty much maintains, as their research found, the same level of light no matter which angle that the sun is at. Because the angle of incident upon the wood basically then diffuses and bounces around inside the cell structure and then comes out. It uses the property that they call haze. It means the light doesn't shine directly into your eyes if you look straight up at the sun through it. It just bounces around and is deflected through the wood cell structure and comes out to you. And that's really, really important. Because that means that you can get diffused light, smooth, consistent, stable light, almost better than the electric lights that you have there just for free from the sun, while the sun is still shining. And you get all this amazing electrical insulation properties. So that makes it pretty, pretty good as a roofing material. It also means that your pets don't have to move to chase the sun if they want to stay warm. The good part about this transparent wood as well is that it maintains all the strength properties along the grain of traditional wood, which means that you can still use it as a good structural building material as well. Now, the process to make this wood basically starts with some bleaching of wood of all its lignin, which is the component that makes it brown and strong. And the wood is then soaked in an epoxy, which adds more strength back in because you got rid of all the lignin, but makes it clear as well. And research at the moment are able to produce about two centimeter by two centimeter blocks, but the idea is that this can be expanded in the future because the process is just completely scalable. Now, hopefully, they can get the cost down and manage that in a way such that transparent wood is a building material of the future because it means that our houses don't need to have all this wasted space for holding all your insulation. And it means we get a more stable and clear, consistent use of light. Plus, it will just look and be really cool. This is some great work from the University of Maryland in the United States, led by Chan Lee. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Ways to make our homes more efficient with transparent wood, better insulative windows, and windows that can be transparent or opaque with a flick of a switch. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.